Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. I want a good Thursday morning to you here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Rick Uccino, SP3 here with you for the next 45 minutes or so. That's right. I bumped it up. We're never going to hit that goal of a half hour. Like, let's be honest. It's July at this point. It ain't happening. It's never going to happen. Hard as we try. So we're not going to call this a 45-minute podcast and hope that we can hit that goal one day. Last night, barbed wire everywhere. AEW Dynamite. Chris Jericho goes over for some reason. But Eddie Kingston still stands tall as Chris Jericho gets thrown into the spider web of barbed wire and then just shakes like he had just gotten tased athena and jay cargill were electric last night the crowd was into it i had a chance to chat with athena i think we created a new match that needs to happen if tony khan has got the guts to book it we'll talk about that coming up dax harwood really that's all i gotta say like at at, at this point the year that that man is having like that the promo he cut last night, sensational. We'll talk about that. Could Danhausen win gold in AEW next week? Jungle Boy is back. Is Luchasaurus a good guy again? I don't know. We'll dive into all of that here on Believe in Pro Wrestling today. SP3, my man. How we doing after another wild and crazy, it's my second Nickelodeon reference so far, uh, episode of dynamite last night uh it was a good uh first hour um i'm not sure what happened in the second hour of the show uh final 10 minutes or so was just not the best booking from uh tony khan out there but uh it was an entertaining show that's the the biggest compliment i can get it It, although not everything happened as i thought it should have happened it was definitely an entertaining show for two hours that's the good i think that's the good thing you could say about aew though right like even when things go completely off the rails you can just laugh at it right like it's still entertaining you can just go ah it's wrestling shit happens uh, unfortunately, a lot of shit happened in that main event last night, and it was it just went off the rails. I think a lot of that had to do with with the booking, which we'll we'll dive into. I'll here's a little tease for you. Never, ever in the history of wrestling should we ever have to rely on a spot where somebody has to unlock something. It never works. It never works. 
I go back to the ref just having to randomly stop counting in the last man standing match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens because they couldn't get a lock undone. And tonight we just had to completely throw all the fucks out <laughs> as as Daniel Garcia just had to slip through the shark cage. No big fucking deal, right? Because they couldn't get the lock Every open. Every member of the Jericho Appreciation Society had to sneak through the holes of the shark cage. Even big-ass Jake Hager <laughs> had to squeeze himself through there. And Matt Menard, whose belly is a little bit close to my size belly, he had to squeeze himself through that as well. Like, oh, man. Just that was skinny. that was really really bad. Um, I feel sorry for yeah. Ty Conti. I feel I feel so bad for Ty Conti because you like you saw her just like start panicking and she like hands the key off to Daniel Garcia like you do it. You got to get this done. You got to get this open. Uh, a lot to get into with with that main event last night. First things first. Got to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source uh, for all your betting needs and sports information. Get the latest odds, news, and developments including in major league baseball fighting news even next season's early nfl futures gonna have to update that script soon because thank god training camp is almost upon us bet online has the odds for team wins division futures and of course the super bowl you know who i'm betting for head to the website use your mobile device sign up today receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe to get that bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts. Our lead story tonight, Chris Jericho does defeat Eddie Kingston in a barbed wire death match. Thanks to Sammy Guevara and the rest of JAS. And look, this, this one for me, unfortunately peaked the moment that Eddie Kingston just randomly screamed shark week into the microphone, um, which was just peak Eddie Kingston. Honestly, uh, they were really laying it on thick tonight with the Shark Week promos, and they had Nyla Rose running around in the shark costume, and you know everything was great. Obviously, hitting a lot of we saw Rock on AEW programming tonight in these uh, Shark Week promos. So TBS really hitting it hard. Eddie Kingston, the consummate professional, beating Chris Jericho, making him bleed. Quick promo. I'm, I said I was gonna make you bleed. Shark week. And then the match continued on from that point there. That literally made me belly laugh. It was so damn funny. Um, and then, yeah, as, as I said earlier, this one for me just kind of went off of the rails. It was pretty telegraphed early on how this match was going to go when all of JAS was supposed to be in that shark cage. Yet there was no Ty Conti and no Sammy Guevara. And I wasn't the only one who noticed that. I'm pretty sure everybody noticed that. And we all, it was, it was the foreshadowing. The writing was on the wall that something screwy was going to go down. And then it went down. Ty Conti runs down to the ring. She, she takes out Ruby Soho or at least attacks Ruby Soho who had the key to the shark cage. And then I think the big story out of this match, honestly, is we get Anna Jay who's coming down, and it's like, okay, what side is she on? Is she going to go with her, her best friend? Is she going to stay true and be a good person? Nah, she takes out Ruby Soho and completes the heel turn for, for Anna Jay last night. I'm not quite sure how I, I feel about that, but I will say this much, SB3. I do like Ty and Anna Jay together, but does this mean that Anna Jay is now part of the Jericho Appreciation Society? Or are they just going to be their own thing? I think there's a lot of gray areas there. 
I think it does kind of signal that she's a part of JAS. She helped bring the lift down and stuff. So I think she's a part of it pretty much by proxy. Um, That was good. I thought everything with Kingston and Jericho up until Ty Conti comes down was really good. It was violent. It was it was some scary spots. Yes, uh, Kingston getting stuck in the barbed wire uh, table after the Frankensteiner was crazy. The suplex off the apron through the barbed wire table was a nice spot. Uh, like you said, the the opening with Kingston hitting him with the microphone and saying, I, I, I told you I'll make you bleed. Shark Week was a great pop. Him throwing Jericho into the barbed wire ropes was, was awesome the barbed wire bell there was literally barbed wire everywhere and it lived up to the uh to the stipulation but soon as ty conti came down and those punches did not look too good we need to get ty back into the ring because we seem to be slowing down her progression that was going so well when she was in the ring and her having one match since get being associated with sammy guevara is not looking too good um so hopefully this leads to you know her being back into the ring maybe a match with ruby soho maybe some tag team matches maybe that's the reason why they're putting ty and anna back together is to for them to maybe down the road have some tag team matches with thunderstorm maybe that's something that they want to do down the road all fine and dandy soon as they brought down that cage this is where it jumped the shark and it became one of these bad wwe sports entertainment or even worse one of those bad tna sports entertainment matches you had you know, six, eight, almost 300 pound Jake Hager going through the holes of the cage. So how good was this cage to begin with? You get, you know, Blackpool Combat Club and Ortiz coming down. Then we get back to Jericho and Kingston. And like you said, from the very beginning, I was just like, when I saw when it was Garcia, uh, Menard, Parker and Hager come down, I'm like, Oh, damn, Sammy Guevara is going to get involved in this in some way. I know this, that's their big, that's their big spot. They think that this is some big surprise, but it's very telegraphed from the beginning that Sammy Guevara is going to be back on this show. And sure enough, he came down at the right yeah. time. Uh, Jericho hits the Judas effect. I thought it was too cute where it looked like Kingston was going to reverse it, and then Sammy reversed it back into the Judas effect. Yeah. I would have preferred for Sammy to get hit with the Judas effect if we were going to do the reversal spot. Don't do a double reversal spot on that. Then it made it even worse. The, yeah, Jericho the, the didn't have enough match. room to move. He just didn't have yeah. enough room to move. The, the post-match was clunky as hell, where Jericho didn't seem like he wanted to collide into Sammy. You even heard Kingston with an audible ghost like like he was getting tight he was tight you could tell his face at the end he was very upset that this just just didn't work out yeah he's, gonna get, he he, rose, he's like this is supposed to be me i'm supposed to be getting mine at this at this particular time don't f this up uh 100 for sure it was like you said it was just really clunky there were a lot of spots that just didn't go off smoothly and again you know stuff like that in a match like this especially a match that's overbooked as it was, this was overbooked to a T the more craziness that you have going on in a match. That's already crazy. Keep it simple, stupid. Like I go back to the kiss method on this one, right? They should have just kept it nice and simple. I did like the commentary kind of explained why Sammy Guevara 
wasn't in the shark cage. All a simple, it, it very effective. Just a simple little. We haven't seen him since you know blood and guts. We haven't seen him since he got tossed off the cage. So we didn't know he was here. Didn't know he was active. Okay, great, fine. Doesn't explain why Ty Conti wasn't in the shark cage with everybody else. Yeah, that that should have been explained from the very beginning, though. They should have, when we saw that it was Garcia, Hager, Parker, and Bernard. You should have had one of the announcers be the smart one and being like, "Well, where where is Sammy?" And then you can have someone like Jr. be like, "Well, Sammy hasn't been seen since he got thrown off the cage." And uh, Ty Conti, I haven't seen her all day today. You can do something very okay. simple that that takes like five seconds to explain that from the very beginning instead of that being kind of like the dark cloud over this matchup where you know the finish is not going to happen until you see ty and sammy one thing i want to go back to what you were talking about though with with anna J turning heel and aligning back up with ty conti start talking about tag matches aew setting up aew already has a better women's tag team division than WWE does right now. You've got Thunderstorm, right? You've got Dr. Bader, Baker and Jamie Hayter. You've got Statlander and Athena. You've got the baddies. And now you've got Ty Conti and, and Anna Jay back together again. Man, we, we got five or six tag teams. No tag team titles. Is that something? You also have ruby soho and sky blue because it was sky blue ruby soho and anna J that were doing six uh six woman tags on AEW dark together they didn't mention that because of course dark doesn't matter to them on dynamite because there's so much they have to say and get into that they don't want to mention stuff like that hopefully that's addressed and they can bring that up and say that it's a real betrayal because i don't think the people that don't pay attention to dark really understand that it was a real betrayal there with anna Jay, they were just like, of course, Anna would go with her friend Ty because yeah. we know she's friends with Ty. We've actually seen that on the main shows. But that that's another team that they can do. They can do Ruby Soho and Sky Blue versus Ty and Anna. But yes, already AEW has more women's tag teams than the WWE on they have three four, times four brands on all four brands combined. AEW has more tag teams than the WWE. If you look at W, go to WWE.com right now, go to the superstar page and go to the champion section, which is right at the top of the superstar page. So it's very easy to get there. 75% of the women's tag team title holders in WWE right now are vacant, vacant because Cora Jade chucked her belt into the trash can on NXT this week. After she turned on Roxanne Perez. So you have two sets of titles. Vacant is already a longer reigning champion than Sasha Banks and Naomi right now on the main roster. And Roxanne Perez is the only one that is holding on to a women's tag. I know there are some people who want to read into that, like WWE sending kind of a message there. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case, but it definitely isn't. a. It's not a good, a good look. It's not definitely not a good look. And if anything, they're just kind of proven, uh, proving. Sasha Banks and Naomi, right? But I would not be surprised, though, the way that the chess pieces are moving in AEW if they do ultimately add uh, women's tag team titles uh, down the line. And I think they're moving the chess pieces to add the trios championships uh, as well. So, yeah, AEW bringing all the gold. But when you have a roster that deep, why the hell not? 
give some people some some stuff to fight for. And they do a really, really good job of that. And Tony Khan, to his credit, has been doing a really good job of booking the Ring of Honor championships as well. And we got a whole pay-per-view uh, on Saturday that, uh, you know, I think is going to absolutely slap. If there's one match, SP3, that you're looking forward to the most this Saturday night, which one would you which one would you choose? For me, I think it's Gresham and Claudio, but where, where are you going? Oh, it's absolutely FTR Briscoe's two, two out of three falls because FTR Briscoe's one is my match of the year so far for 2022. That's the best match I've seen in this whole calendar year so far here in July. And two out of three falls for people who aren't aware, it's the Briscoe's bag. The Briscoe's is the only tag team that I remember in history that have like multiple two out of three falls matches where they swept the other team. One of those teams that they swept was Kevin Steen and El Generico, also known as Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And what? in their legendary feud what? in Ring of Honor, they swept them 2-0. So if they can do that against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they can do that against FTR. So it's very interesting that that was the stipulation that FTR chose, which makes me kind of question my pick of FTR for this because I would love for the Briscoes to win on Saturday to set up FTR Briscoes 3 in the Briscoes other favorite stipulation match ladder war at final battle in in December yeah that sounds all well and good but I can't believe you buy into that propaganda that Sami Zayn and El Generico are the same person I don't I don't even know who you are anymore it is what it is you can believe what you want to believe you can believe ezekiel and elias are two different people i know the truth we appreciate you guys who are tuning in if this is your first time tuning into the show today give us the thumbs up there make sure to hammer that subscribe button we really appreciate uh all the support uh, again chris jericho defeats eddie kingston last night but kingston stands tall in the end this is a booking decision that i i don't quite understand because if Kingston's going to stand tall at the end of the night anyway just go ahead and have him win the damn match he should have won the damn match it really doesn't do anything for Jericho to win this match given all the help that he that he's got at the end of it but this should be the end of it let's let these two guys go their separate ways at this point I think I would have been more fine with this if JAS wasn't didn't have didn't escape the cage I think if this was just Sammy getting involved and helping Jericho win, maybe I'd be fine with this because I kind of, from Jericho's promos and what someone who is on the sideline put on Twitter today, I think the next route they're going to go is Jericho and Brian Danielson. So I understand wanting to keep Jericho strong for that next feud. And Kingston is the type of guy, he's Teflon. He's always going to be over. And he just wanted to make Jericho bleed. He didn't say anything about beating Jericho. He definitely made him bleed. And Sammy getting involved sets up a new feud for Eddie and Eddie and Sammy, you know, Sammy wanting revenge for Eddie throwing him off the cage. That makes all the world sense. I just didn't need all the other stuff around it that made it a clusterfuck. <laughs> Do you know what? I, it, this just hit me. Have you ever seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Have you ever seen that Multiple movie? Times. Absolute yes. classic, right? When Bob Hoskins, right, is trying to get out of the handcuffs and he's telling Roger Rabbit, to to hold still so he can saw through the handcuffs and Roger Rabbit takes the handcuff off of his hand and moves over to the side and says, "There, does that help?" 
That's exactly what happened tonight when Daniel Garcia just jumped out of the damn cage. Like, screw this lock. We don't need it. I'm I'm out. See you. Bye. He pulled the Roger rabbit last night, which was just like, why the is this shark cage even there? <sighs> no more shark cages. No more key spots. I think we'll all be good for the rest of time. We got a lot more to get into uh, as far as AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest a week two. First things first. Let's dive into this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Our good friend Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men Podcast out with a report this week. A surprise, surprise. Cody Rhodes was originally supposed to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Something we talked about ad nauseum. This is something that we wanted to see. And then unfortunately, Cody Rhodes uh, ended up getting hurt, Taurus Peck. Although he looked damn good at the ESPYs last night, did the tortilla challenge. He smacked the shit out of some reporter with, with the right arm. Looked good. Got good rotation. Might meet that nine-month deadline. Looking good. Then he absolutely no-sold getting... Would you? We need to find a way that we can do the tortilla challenge. Like, if we both end up in Chicago in September... We got to do like the tortilla challenge. We got to do something. If the tortilla challenge is still a thing at that point, we got to do something stupid, right? If we actually get to meet uh, in person. But regardless, uh, with no Cody Rhodes there and eligible, WWE decided to go uh, a, a completely different route. They pretty much, according to Andrew Zarian, just decided, screw it. We don't need a Money in the Bank briefcase this year and decided to put it on theory just so he can ultimately lose it and not have to worry about the storyline stipulation with Roman Reigns, which is something we already saw this year. By the way, they did the exact same thing with the Royal Rumble with Brock Lesnar. They just put him in it and had him win it. And ultimately the Royal Rumble winner didn't matter in the end. So SP three, the fact that WWE had their winner, couldn't decide on a backup and just put it on Austin theory so he could lose it. Maybe even as soon as at SummerSlam, where he's heavily teasing this. If they just would rather toss the money in the bank briefcase aside than go in another direction and do something that could actually benefit somebody else, right? Is it time to kind of just retire the money in the bank briefcase altogether? If if this is the kind of kind of treatment that they're talking about here, because I look back at, I'll ask you this other question. When was the last Money in the Bank winner that was actually like a good briefcase holder? Seth Rollins in 2014. I'll ask again. Is it time to retire the Money in the Bank briefcase? I don't think so, because there's other stories that you can tell with the money in the bank briefcase. But I understand the people that are just saying they wanted to be retired because this company seems that they're incapable of telling those other stories that can be told with the briefcase. We still have never had a briefcase owner. who, You know, we've had someone cash it in at, at WrestleMania, but we haven't had someone do what both Mr. Kennedy and Brian Danielson said they were going to do when they were briefcase holders. And that's actually call their shot at WrestleMania and main event WrestleMania by, by calling your shot and saying, I'm cashing in the briefcase at WrestleMania, have a babyface win and say that 
that is a story that still hasn't been done. There's other ways for you to do it. There's other ways for a baby face to hold the money in the bank for you case. I hate the stigma that only heels should hold money in the bank because only because cashing in is a heel thing. There are ways to do it with baby faces, but this company seems incapable of doing it. So I understand the people that wanted to retire, but I don't because I want to see these other stories be applied. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm there with you, right? Like I don't want the money in the bank briefcase to go away and much just like, I don't want the women's tag team titles to go away, or I don't want the intercontinental championship to go away. And anytime these arguments, you know, come up or these questions are asked, uh, my answer is always going to be no, just utilize them better, book them better. And I, and it goes back to a, a, an episode we had a few weeks ago. The people in charge of WWE creative right now are bad at their jobs and no longer need to have those jobs. They're just not like, seriously, you have something that is look forward to as much as both the Royal rumble and the money in the bank briefcase winners this year. And you actively decided to just basically shit on both of them because you wanted to continue to book Roman reigns in a strong way. And you were like, all right, well, how do we get out of this? You're not supposed to get out of this, right? That's like, that's why they're there. They're there to be important. And one could argue that the money in the bank briefcase hasn't been important for a very long time. If you look at the, the last, we already know about last year, right? Big E, his, him holding the briefcase could have been better. I, I agree with other superstars and other people who said maybe it should, he should have held on to it a little bit longer and really kind of built up to it more had a great moment when he cashed in yes that was great but ultimately in the end his title run lackluster because you know the the survivor series curse he got he lost to roman reigns clean and you know and then because he popped he cashed it into pop a rating he yeah. didn't cash yeah. it in to complete a good story he cashed it into pop a rating for five straight years, the women's were the women's money in the bank winner. They've told the same story of them not holding it for more than 24 hours. Yeah. When they did have someone that was a woman hold it for more than 24 hours, she only won the first time because a man with no chin helped her win. And then when she held it, when she won it fair and square on her own, kind of, uh, she then went on to be kind of a non-factor for well over a year until she had eventually cashed it in so they have never really told a good story with the woman's money in the bank winner it just sounds better to hold it for the longest time ever than holding yeah. it for 24 hours for carmella that's it and then with the men it's just been bad bad briefcase hold that's why i said seth rollins was the last time we had a good briefcase hold. I mean, 2015 we had sheamus who was awful um and only cashed in only people reason people cheered is because they hated roman reigns when he cashed it in we had 2016 which was good but it was i love i love that i love that yeah. but it's hard to call dean ambrose john moxley a good money in the bank briefcase holder when he had it for an hour exactly made it a great moment though a great cash in all three members of the shield holding the title in one night you you finally had dean win the big one by beating seth rollins setting up you know that feud and that was great unfortunately his run didn't last as long as i think a lot of people wanted yeah. it to he uh, he dropped it to aj styles but still a great moment a great night but i can't call him a great briefcase holder because he only had it for an hour baron exactly. corbin baron corbin the worst on. the worst cash in ever Braun Strowman. Uh, 
2018 was Braun Strowman, one of the other worst cash-ins ever. Brock uh, Lesnar. To the, 2019 Brock Lesnar don't get me started on that just showing up and winning uh 2020 was Otis into the the Miz again and the Miz only wanted to drop the title to to Bobby Lashley so I I will argue though I will argue that was effective right that that was making the best out of a bad I will I'll argue that was making the best out of a bad situation because they realized they messed up with Otis so they put you it on would Miz. Argue, you would argue they could have turned Otis heel and have him lose to Bobby Lashley. I think that would have been even better for Bobby yeah, Lashley. And maybe. he actually he actually would have got heat if if it was a babyface Otis who won money who won the title and then Bobby Lashley beat him after eight days. He would have actually got some heat instead of him getting cheered as a heel who won the WWE championship. That's that's fair. There is the, the heel heel dynamic, but I think the Miz played his part perfectly and in, in making that a big moment uh for bobby lashley when uh when he finally won uh his first world championship in wwe nikki ash i wish it would have made better things for her biggie the same so we've already had Liv morgan cash in a lot of my feelings about ask me this again after SummerSlam, right because if if Liv morgan loses to ronda rousey okay Money in the bank didn't mean a whole lot again this year, other than to just give Liv the old pat on the back and say, you're doing a great job. Thank you for all the hard work. And then if theory, yeah, theory, you could still tell a good story with theory and you could still utilize it if his cash in fails. But if he just shows up at SummerSlam and eats an F5 and gets pinned or eats a spear and gets pinned completely, utterly, totally useless. I'm not saying it's time to retire anything. Let's just. Treat them like they matter because these are some of the things that people look forward to the most. And you've squandered it a lot in the last few years. It ultimately ends up meaning nothing. But your casual fans don't really realize that. So WWE continues to get away with it all the damn time. Let's dive back into AEW. I had, and I, I mean this with no hyperbole whatsoever, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with athena this week she is just one of my favorite people in the world to talk to uh and we we dove into a lot about her days in wwe her her indie days who this new athena is talking about uh one of the things that was just mind-boggling to me was wwe literally handcuffing her and saying hey you can only do these types of moves uh, in a wrestling ring where we don't want you to do any of your power stuff, the stuff that got you here. We don't want you to do that anymore. You're five, one, you're a high flyer and that's it. Uh, we talked a lot about that, but we also talked about Jade Cargill and the, the type of battle that she wants to have with the TBS champion. And she painted a hell of a picture like, a picture that would be painted by the actual goddess of war. She wants to fight on a mountain with lightning and everything going off this epic rock battle. She painted a hell of a picture. And then all of a sudden I got one of my brilliant ideas in my mind. Queen of the Mount Vesuvius goddess battle, right? Like let's, let's, let's just do, let's like, uh, I'm thinking like the aggro crag, like let's just do yes! a match on the, right yes i'm in i was showing someone that the other day i was like you didn't live as a kid unless you knew about the aggro crack <laughs> so once again i will ask tony khan do you have the guts to book the match 
on the aggro crag. So number two here, Athena and Jay Cargill should meet in the first ever aggro crag match. Yes or hell yes, SP3. No, congratulations for your moment, but no. <laughs> I really just wanted to just make that guts pun like as many times as I as I possibly could. No, but this that would be a whole lot of fun. Obviously, there's not a lot that I know that she wants it to be this this grandiose thing, but I'm telling you what, man, the the actual like energy that those two got tonight uh, last night when they actually met in the ring was spectacular and those two they have some chemistry with one another like that was the best i i pretty safe to say i think that was the best sequence inside of a wrestling ring i've seen out of jade cargill yet like she continues to get better and better and better but it's like you see her in the ring in that same match last night you see her with willow doesn't have the same flow doesn't have the same chemistry she has chemistry with athena i after just getting that little bit of a taste finally I, I want to see these two throw down so much more now. Like, I, I, I need to see that match now. I've said it before that I want that to be the, the matchup for All Out for the TBS Championship. And I liked Athena's uh, promo backstage where she told Chris Statlander to go for the AEW Women's World Championship and she'll go for the TBS Championship. Because it seems like, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you got to have Chris go for the TBS title. But she still wants to win that big one. She still wants to be in the AEW Women's World Champion. And she would be a great next contender, especially if they're going to do a uh, Women's World Championship matchup at Battle of the Belts in August. Uh, you know, you got next week Thunder Rosa and Miyu Yamashka. Once Thunder Rosa is done with that, she's going to need a new challenger. I would love for Statlander to be that challenger at Battle of the Belts and save Jay Cargill and Athena for All Out. That was a nice little seed that I think that could could grow into nothing or it could blossom into something completely different because it's all like you you look at both Athena and Chris Statlander. Yes, they're getting along. They're, they've got great chemistry with one another, become becoming fast friends but they both want the same thing they both want to take out jade cargill they both wanted that tbs championship so i like athena kind of being a little bit sly last night like oh let me go after jade cargill you can have thunder rosa look she's the aew women's champion that's the one you want like put it like trying to play inception basically last night saying you don't want jade cargill you don't want the tbs you don't want what i want you want the AEW Women's Championship. You want to go after Thunder Rosa. Could grow into absolutely nothing, but it is a nice little seed there that they might be able to grow off and, and do something else. But regardless, I think I'm pretty safe in saying if, if it's either Athena or Chris Statlander that takes the belt off of Jade Cargill, I'd be completely fine with it. They might just decide to keep that belt on Jade Cargill for a lot longer. Uh, 35 uh, and 0 now after uh, winning that tag match last night. Uh, sucks that Layla Gray was uh, injured and we didn't get the uh, the six-person tag team match. I thought Stokely Hathaway was great again last night. Uh, really added an element. When his team wins matches, you have to find him on the outside because his expressions and his energy are just absolute gold and bring so much uh to those matches uh on the outside 
And we got Jermaine Dupree on this episode. We got Jermaine Dupree, Kevin Gates, and Westside Gun on this episode of AEW Dynamite. This was the most hip-hop, blackest episode of AEW Dynamite that I've ever seen, and I loved every moment of it. JD, so, so deaf. I know who none of those people are. That's not, like, to diminish their talents or their popularity. I'm just saying I'm extremely white. Dupree is. Oh my God. Like, where have you been for the past like 25 years? Jermaine Dupree. Do you not know who DeBrat is? Do you not know who Little Bow Wow is? Do you not know who who Little Jacket Edge with? Little Bow Wow. That's the guy from Like Mike, right? All of those people (laughs) are JD. Jermaine Dupree is responsible for bringing into music and making stars. Are they related to Max Dupree? I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> so disappointed. I understand Kevin Gate and Westside Gun, but Jermaine Dupree, there's a reason why they called him a hip hop legend. Jermaine Dupree, are you freaking kidding me? I'm also like, I'm also bad with like all genres of music, by the way. Like, I'm not an expert. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. I mean, I could tell you who was in NWA. Does that help? Like, I mean, I could, I could, you know, I, I, let's just move on. Uh, number three. <laughs> on the that's only, that's only probably because you saw straight out of Compton. Accurate, but I did. That's the whole point, right? Like I did. I did my research. I know. I know. I knew Ice Cube was in NWA. Like I was turned on to Ice Cube thanks to Anaconda, 1996. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Early J-Lo as well. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Number three. I watch more movies than I listen to music, all right? There's, there's my pop culture. Number three here on the five count. True or false, Dax Harwood would be the 2022 Wrestler of the Year if voting was held today. I don't know who's voting, but let's just say everybody gets a vote. Dax Harwood, the 2022 Wrestler of the Year right now after this just insane early run he's had these first seven months. He wouldn't be my wrestler of the year, but he's definitely in the conversation. So if this was the question was, if, if is he in the conversation? True. But as far as my 2020 wrestler of the year voting was held today, it would be a false. I think John Moxley is ahead of him because John Moxley delivers banger, banger promos. And he's had fantastic matches, whether it's here, Hiroshi Tadahashi at Forbidden Door last week against Kanosuke Takeshna, uh, his matchup with Willie Yuta that put Willie Yuta on the map. I would, I would take all of those. But if this question was FTR tag team of the year, oh, that, true, 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 true. It is. It is just absolutely remarkable, and we've talked about this before. Who would have ever thought that FT did we lose Rick? Did his internet come back and haunt him again, or is this me? I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. But Rick has the spinning the spinning wheel of death. It seems. Oh no, he's blank. He's blank. His camera has gone off. All I see is the blank screen, ladies and gentlemen. Is he back? Hi. Hang on. Where's my... I don't know where my screen went. 
My browser has lost the connection to my camera. Oh no, this is terrible. What what is what is happening right now? So what happened there is I accidentally hit F12 on my keyboard and it shut my computer down. Uh so right now I am in uh I am in hell. Uh anyway, so I'll finish my statement here. I'll click out. I'll let SP3 respond to my statement, but and I'll try to get this all fixed. I am so done with technical issues, but this is just, uh, this is my own personal uh, fault on this one. Anywho, so who would have thought that on July 21st, 2022, FTR would be the top baby face tag team in all of professional wrestling? And I think, no disrespect to Cash, I think a lot of that falls on on the run and the the promos and the the singles work that Dax Harwood has put in this year. That promo, that story that he told about his daughter last night just absolutely tugged at the heartstrings. I mean, it's like I, that line that he said, like, I'm Saturday against the Briscoes. I'm going to fight like an eight-year-old girl. Put that on a damn shirt and sell the hell out of them. I will happily buy one. Like That was incredible to me. I don't know if he's the 2022 Wrestler of the Year, but I do find it absolutely remarkable that he without a doubt as you said he is uh in contention for sure one thousand percent in the conversation dax harwood's had fantastic singles matches this year whether it's his match against cm punk whether it's um every singles match he's banged in whether it's a match with cm punk whether it's a match with adam cole uh whether it's the match with cash wheeler he's been fantastic at singles action been amazing in tag team matches i'll take uh, i can probably do a top 10 tag team matches of 2022 just off of ftr's work whether it's the briscoes at super carter of honor whether it's the young bucks on the on the uh april dynamite episode whether it's the three-way at forbidden door ftr is the tag team of the year and dax hardwood would probably be in my top five for wrestler of the year right now Looking forward to the match on Saturday. I am also looking forward to fight for the fallen next week. I think Tony Khan is already putting together uh, a a good card uh, for next week. The third special episode of Dynamite in a row. We got a very, very special match after Ricky Stark successfully defended the FTW championship against two dimes tonight who did not uh, sleep with the fishes after all. I'm calling him two dimes because I can't remember what his his actual name is. It's Colin something. Cole Carter. Cole Carter. I was right. I knew it started with a C. Anyway, so two dimes gets beat by Ricky Starks tonight. He eats a spear. And Ricky Starks, he's all confident. He's all cocky. He says, you know what? I still got a little bit left in the tank. I'm going to issue another open challenge. And then my boy Danhausen comes down to the ring. And for some reason, which I don't understand, Ricky Starks, acted scared like he was actually threatened by Danhausen which does not fit Danhausen's character at all I don't understand Ricky Starks backing out of his open challenge if anything Danhausen is the guy that he would want to answer that right I didn't understand that but regardless he said all right I'll give you your shot next week at the FTW championship there's a lot of interesting ways that this could go, mostly because your boy Hook, who has ties to both Team Taz, obviously, and still, in my opinion, has an open story with Danhausen. They haven't, they just kind of floated away from that. They, we really didn't even get kind of some, some closure there on Hookhausen. They just 
started appearing separately on television together. I'll ask USP3, does Danhausen have a legitimate chance to win the STW championship from Ricky Starks next week? No. Um, I think the story here that they're setting up is on commentary throughout this uh, FTW championship match with Cole, Two Dimes, Carter. Uh, and I loved, absolutely love that the last time we saw him, he was sleeping in the fishes and then he showed up on Shark Week. That's I guarantee just, you that's, that's just, the only reason he was brought in. Guarantee you. That's just Tony Tony Khan booking 101. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that the reason why Ricky Starks responded to Dan Housen in this way is because Ricky Stark got one of the biggest pops of the night and he's still a heel. So the only way for him to uh, get some heel heat from this crowd was to deny them a matchup with Dan Housen. So I thought it was very smart to do that. He did get some heat for uh, saying for next week. Um, but no, Dan Housen, there's not a legitimate chance. And I think this is with, you know, commentary kind of having Taz talk about, you know, Ricky Starks is the for what has held the FTW championship for a year, even called Ricky Starks the, the greatest FTW champion of all time. He's even eclipsed him. You can tell when he was saying it, he was bigging up Ricky Starks, but there was kind of this underlining jealousy from Taz on commentary as well. So what would be better than Taz being the one to beat Ricky Starks and reclaim the spot of the FTW, greatest FTW champion of all time, is his son doing it. And I think Danhausen is the way we get from to hook challenging for the FTW title. That definitely does make a lot of sense. And I think that will be the way to go. Um, just playing devil's advocate. I think you could go the other way. I think you could have Dan Housen uh, kind of win the FTW championship and spend the next several weeks with team Taz trying to foil Dan Housen. Like they're, they're embarrassed at the fact that he is the FTW champion, that he's now in the lineage of that title. And for whatever reason, Dan Housen just pulling his magic, like keeps slipping out and slipping away with it. And then all of a sudden they try to get hook to be the one to take the title off of Dan Housen. I think that could be an interesting story and a, and a conflicting one for hook. Like he doesn't want to fight Danhausen because he likes him, but then he's got his dad who's saying you need to go take that title off of him for the family. You could kind of pull, pull hook in a lot of different directions with this, regardless of which way you go. I think you win either way. I think you can tell a compelling story either way and actually like make the FTW championship feel important because it's pretty much been just an accessory uh, for much of Ricky Stark's uh, year run. It is what it is. It's like it's it's a Taz thing. It's not an AEW thing. So uh, you could really kind of highlight that and make it feel a little bit more important. I think either way you go with this, I think ultimately Hook winning the belt makes a ton of sense. Ton of sense. And I do think that's going to happen. <sighs> you know what? I'll grow a pair of balls. I'm going to say yes. I think Dan Housen wins that belt next week. I'm going to go with yes on this one. That That's just my, be, me, my heart more than my head. Man. Now, had Dan Housen wrestled last night against Ricky Starks, he would have pulled one over. For a second there, I thought they were going to pull one over and he was going to like steal the belt or, or, or something like that. He did beat Jake something on Dark, after all, with the schoolboy, the deadliest move uh, in all of professional wrestling. Last night, somebody who got a hell of a pop, you talked about Ricky Starks being over. Jungle Boy still over. He came back after uh, Christian Luchasaurus just 
well, excuse me, Luchasaurus just squashed the Varsity Blondes all on his own. I loved Christian Cage pulling the heel move after the damage was done. Having Luchasaurus tag him in, he slides in there, gets the pinfall, stands up all cocky as hell. Then all of a sudden, crowd starts going nuts, arms in the air. Jungle Boy comes down with a steel chair. And then something happened that I don't quite understand, and I don't necessarily know if I like it. Luchasaurus standing in front of Jungle Boy, first time that they've seen each other since they lost those AEW tag team titles. And he steps aside and he lets Jungle Boy run right in there and cha- literally chase Christian Cage out of the arena. I love that he was like step for step, heel for heel with Christian, just almost chasing him down out of the arena last night. I did like that. I don't know how I feel about Luchasaurus pulling the big show here and seemingly flipping right back to a baby face the second that he saw his old buddy. We still don't really know what Christian said to Luchasaurus to turn him into this monster heel, but the fact that he was this big, bad monster heel with the the gray slate, and it looked like he was going to go off and, and do his own thing with Christian, and then Jungle Boy now has the opportunity to do his, his solo baby face run. Now, all of a sudden, we get in Jurassic Express back together. I don't think it's clear cut from what we saw last night. Who should Luchasaurus side with here, SB3? Should he stay with Christian or should he go back with Jungle Boy? Oh, he should definitely stay with Christian. I right? think everybody enjoyed Luchasaurus as a heel. Um, he just it why change his music? Why give him this whole new look unless he's gonna stay heel? It just doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me. But I think that this was kind of to create the question of what's uh, whose side is Luciosaurus really on? Because you know, Jungle Boy didn't get his hands on Christian, but there's still the intrigue and still a question to be told here. Because you would think that with Jungle Boy returning, it's the question is when is jungle boy gonna verse christian but now you have a question of whose side is luchasaurus on so that's an interesting kind of story device to progress things so i think luchasaurus is gonna side with christian in the end but i understand the decision to do what they did last night i i can see why luchasaurus would be conflicted and there is always the angle that they could take because again christian outworked everybody or worked everybody right so they this could be a work but then how would they know jungle boy was coming back so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of uh explain this and yes it does ultimately throw out the question of who is luchasaurus actually going to side with to answer the question it should be christian for the exact reason why i laid out because putting jurassic express back together at this point does nothing for either one of them um because they're not going to get back in the aw tag team title picture anytime soon there's a lot more to explore. I think Jungle Boy is a singles star, future world champion in the making. So you might as well just start that push now. And Luchasaurus is such a badass heel. And like you said, you changed his music. You changed his look. Stay with it. Don't abandon ship. I don't think it makes any sense to put Jurassic Express back together. Just let, I think Luchasaurus is perfect muscle for Christian until he gets tired of Christian and, you know, in true dinosaur fashion, eats him. 
love the pop for Jungle Boy though. Oh, you, yeah. They made the great decision changing his song because that the song just instantly gets the people on their feet and he got a huge reaction and it made you feel like they have done right by the story. This was the only one where you were like confused by the intentions and the movements of the of the people involved in this story, but up until this point it's been a good story so i will be willing to let this one go if luchasaurus you know eventually does side with christian in this are you saying you are willing to let this play out no i never said that and i won't say that because wwe has ruined that saying i do agree with you by the way licensed music is just the absolute way to go i think right like you look at what it's done for moxley you look at what it's done for jungle boy you look at what it's done for punk obviously i mean it's just instantly recognizable it gets the crowd pumped up a lot of wwe stuff man it all sounds the same now it's just or it's just generic unlicensed rock bed number five that you would pull off of pretty much the same site that i pulled our song off of like that was the best one i could find after like five hours of looking i don't have a whole lot of free time i'm like oh this one makes me bob my head a little bit and we turned it into ours i wish they would go back that way i was so happy when they let cody rhodes keep you know his music when he came back let's let's do more of that please we do appreciate you guys listening to all 51 minutes of this 45 minute podcast sp3 i know you got a lot going on this weekend go ahead plug your show what you got Oh, we got a lot for ROH stuff before this honor weekend. Uh, I got two interviews up on the channel with Impact Wrestling's Rosemary and GCW's uh, lead commentator, Kevin Gill. So you can check that out on a True Hill Heat YouTube channel. But Friday, 2 p- 2.05 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we got our Death Before Dishonor preview where we're going to break down the card with special guest Joel Holbert of the Late Night Grin and Russell Pierce. Saturday, True Hill Heat 185. We got special guest Maddie Pollock. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time. And then on Sunday at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time, we got our ROH Death Before Dishonor review with special guest Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno of Post Wrestling and the Gravel App Podcast. So that's True Heel Heat Wrestling, T-R-U, no E, because we speak Ebonics. <laughs> <laughs> tons of great stuff for you guys up here on believe in pro wrestling as well check out my interview with athena check out my interview with renee paquette um look i immensely enjoyed them i had fun doing them i think you'll have fun watching them a lot of great content uh, in there especially you know hour-long conversation with renee tons coming up at uh, starcast and her reunion with brian danielson and again athena is just one of the best per- people in this business to talk to and was absolutely great i will have another interview dropping early next week I'm I'm sorry to say this. Here's a little tease for you guys, not to ruin his reputation. Happy Corbin's awesome. Like Happy Corbin is a really good and actually likable dude in real life. Like if you want just just watch it. I know people instantly hear Happy Corbin and they're like, "Ah, go away heat and turn it off." Watch the interview. He is spectacular. That's going to be dropping on Monday. And again, if you're just tuning in for the first time, if you found the channel by accident, give us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate you guys. We're closing in on 400 subscribers. Can't thank all the support from everybody enough. Uh, it, you know, it, it makes it worth it for SP3 and I to keep plugging away and, and building this channel one day at a time. But we are now out of time. 
You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you podcast. One of my from Boston. The Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.